Hey, y'all. Real quick before I hit play on this episode of Familypreneur for you, I want to be sure that you know that I have a brand new podcast available for you to check out. It's called Just Marketing, and you can find it on this podcast platform. Go ahead and search for Just Marketing and hit subscribe so you don't miss anything. Then come back here and listen to this episode of Familypreneur. It'll still be here waiting for you. Welcome to Familypreneur, the podcast for parent entrepreneurs raising kidpreneurs. It's time for your weekly dose of inspiration and actionable tips to build your business and find better balance, all while strengthening your family. And now we'd like to introduce your host. She's my mom and the bomb.com, Meg Brunson. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Familypreneur podcast. This is episode number 42. Today's episode is brought to you by EIEIO Marketing. Facebook advertising does not have to be stressful and overwhelming, not when you have a former Facebook employee in your corner. If your business is looking for a reputable agency to manage your Facebook ads, visit EIEIOMarketing.com and reach out for a free consultation today. When you think about your Facebook marketing strategy, always remember EIEIO, where their name isn't just cute, It represents the ideal Facebook strategy. Engage, interact, educate, influence, and optimize. Today, I'm really excited to welcome two zany and loving grandmas to the show. Debbie Todd, a spunky CPA, and Phyllis Matson, an amazing theater creative, have merged their passions to bring belly laughs and fun learning to life using online interactive theater. Their adventures in Puppetopia and Smart Money Commanders program bring short, powerful, and practical lessons right into your home. With lots of easy-to-follow activities for your little commanders and helpful teachable moment resources for parents, too. Now let's meet Debbie Todd and Phyllis Matson and dive into the two skills that all children need to be successful in life, positive character skills and being smart with money. Hi, Debbie. Thank you for joining us today. Hi, good morning, Meg. How are you doing? Good, thanks. I'd love for you to introduce yourself and your character because you guys have a very unique approach to your business and how you educate kids. Oh, yes. Thank you. I'd love to. Well, um, my name is Debbie Todd, and I'm a licensed CPA and a grandma. And um, the character that I play in most of our shows is I am Dr. Penny, and I play the super money smart pet veterinarian who takes care of all of the animals in Puppetopia. And I have with me today um, my very best business partner friend who is really the creative genius behind Ruby's Troupe, and her name is Phyllis Matson. And she plays three amazing characters um, within our programs. And I'll let her tell you a little bit about what she does because it's just magic. Good morning, everyone. Um, Ruby's Troop is a puppet theater. And children seem to respond amazingly to puppets. And puppets can say things to them that their adult people in their life, they may tune out now and then. And we've designed a a puppet theater with 90 different puppets. We call it Puppetopia. And I have the privilege of being one of the puppeteers. But we also have human characters 
that interact with the puppets. And I have the privilege of playing three. I'm Phoebe, the world traveler. Phoebe flies all around in her, her hot air balloon. Then there's Bella. I'm also Bella, the storyteller. Then the other character I play is a new character, and that is Gwyneth, the forest elf. And I'm in costume in all of these. And each of these characters, when I'm not being the puppeteer, is interacting with the puppets and trying to get the message across in a fun way that kids will laugh and yet go, wow, I saw that puppet make a mistake with money and look what happened. So that's what that's the fun part I get to do. Yeah. And we write our own scripts. So why are you guys so passionate about teaching kids about money? What's so important about that at a young age? Being a licensed CPA over the last 20 years, I've seen the flip side of not knowing how to handle money. I've seen families come in that are just being devastated by money problems. Small businesses, and that's one of my big hearts, the small businesses that do people that have amazing skills and amazing crafts things that they can do for the world, but they can't be a successful small business because they don't know how to handle money, right? Because it's one of the things I think that Thomas Edison said, you can't be the light of the world if you can't pay the light bill. That's very true, right? Teaching children about money at a young age, in, in my humble opinion, is one of the single biggest gifts that you can give your child. Because, and, and there's a quote from Dave Ramsey that teaching kids about money is never just about money because kids the kids want to be superheroes and kids want to be successful and one of the easiest ways for us as parents and grandparents and teachers um, to help children be successful is to give them the tools at a young age and one of the things that I've seen time and time again is that studies have shown you know over the last 15 years that Children learn over 75% of their core habits before the age of seven. Wow. And so if we wait, if we think that they're going to learn it in school or that, hey, you know, we don't want to confuse their childhood and teach them these things, what happens is we're actually setting them up to have a harder time as an adult. So that's why we do it. So I have a seven-year-old in first grade. Are they not learning about money in school? Like I know she's brought home worksheets and stuff. So I know they're, they're counting money and, and things like that. But is that not enough? If they're bringing home sheets that show them what coins are and what money values are, that, that is a good start. There's a whole lot more to money and teaching kids about money than just the physical aspect of money. There's the emotional aspect. There's a the psychological aspect. There's the planning aspect. And that's one of the things that I think that really, really could be improved upon. And, and frankly, you know, in, in a lot of the teachers that I've talked to that are teaching right now, they say that, you know, they actually don't feel comfortable teaching the children about money because they have their own money struggles. And that's not a bad thing. It's just they're, they're being honest. They're going like, hey, I don't think I do well enough with my money myself. How can I teach my students or how can I teach my kids? And so that's where we come in to help because we um, obviously I've been teaching this for close to 20 years now, and that's where my heart's at. So I understand how to teach it simply and how to teach it fun. And we've got 92 friends to help us make it really fun. And if I could add to that, as human beings, we're born with, I want, 
And one of our characters is the one monster. Yeah. And he's the bully. He's the bully. He's the bully. And as parents, our job is to teach our children to be responsible adults in society. So it's not just telling them how many pennies are in a quarter. That's where it starts. But it's realizing that as a young child, they can have self-control and see the beauty of being able to be a commander of their money. And it's made to be really fun. And you know what? It's funny. Yeah. It's funny, but yet it, it gets in and gives them the ability to think, wow, it's something that I can be in control. They need to have a little area of control. And how did you guys settle on puppets? We decided on puppets because it's a medium yes. that draws people in. Right. And I don't care how old you get. It's not I mean, you could be two years old or you could be 102 years old. And people just relax when they see the different storylines that are out there that we're using portrayed through the puppets. So it allows them to kind of come into this fantasy land. Most of the puppets in, in our program are anywhere from, you know, five to say nine years old. That's their character, right? And then we do have a few of the other, you know, like the Want Monster is an adult. And we've got um, Mr. Wisewood, um, who is the ancient wise tree from the forest. He comes into the city to teach the kids about money. So we have a, a, just a wide variety of characters that have just kind of come through it as, as we went along. So that's how we chose them. <laughs> and what do the parents get out of the puppet shows? The phenomenal thing has been is that they're sitting there watching their children watch the shows. And within two or three minutes, yes. I can see them start to relax. They start to laugh. They start to talk amongst themselves. You can see them nodding when, you know, Ruby or Bosco or Peggy Sue come in and they make a teachable moment, which is one of the, the things that I think makes us so different to allow the children to think a little bit about what we're teaching and to give the parents a kind of a talking point. And so we do these teachable moments and it gives them a way to have the conversation. And the conversation isn't the parent to the child, but it's how do you think Bosco felt when that happened? And if you were Bosco's friend, would you have a suggestion for him? What would you tell him to do? What do you think would help? And it's all those avenues that they are able to utilize. And so the parents, I think, get a lot of value out of it. I think also the parents are really glad that somebody else wants to teach their kids in a fun way. Mm -hmm. They really are happy that they can count on us to be able to get messages across that will register with the small kids. So it energizes future conversation. And often, you know what? The children end up teaching the parents a wee bit too. What are some of the risks that you've mentioned that are going to accompany not having these conversations with our kids? First of all, um, you know, we live in a very consumer-driven yes. society, right? That's how our economy works. Yes. And what that does is our children, through either the advertisers right. or what they're learning from their friends at school, mm -hmm. what not having good skills with money does is it sets us up to always overextend ourselves without thinking about the consequences. Right. And that's what happens. Right now, between 43 and 50% of American families yes. have less than $500 in savings. Wow. That's 
tragic because what that tells me is you are one not even major car repair or doctor bill or minor appliance from being broke. Yes. And that's not the way we're supposed to live. It doesn't take that much planning to make a big difference. Think about it. If you're an entrepreneur on listening to this and you're stressed about money, how many other areas of your life does that impact? It's not just your checkbook, but it's your relationships with your spouse Mm -hmm. or your kids or people that you're trying to sell to, right? Um, You don't sleep well. It makes your stomach hurt right? All kinds of things can happen. So that's the flip side of of not learning about money. So it would seem that your shows really help spark those conversations, especially among those, you said, up to 50% of adults who aren't the savviest with money and wouldn't be comfortable teaching their kids. Right, right. Right. And and that's really, again, over the last, you know, 16 years since I've been teaching this and my core financial literacy classes that I've taught in the communities are really for families right? So it's adults primarily. And that's one of the things that they kept telling me as they're trying to feel like they're getting their financial foundation kind of figured out. They're like, wow, is there a way I could teach my kids? But the thing we need to realize is that kids don't learn the same way adults do, right? We wanted to come up with something that would be helpful to them. And the thing is, is if if a parent, let's just say that's 40 to 50% of parents don't really feel that comfortable with it, then we have a great solution because the puppets do the work. They do the heavy lifting. They set the examples. So it's a, it's a way of them learning that will hopefully just allow it to come into their, into their habit, which is what we're trying to help them develop. And I'm curious, what are your opinions on chores and allowance? Cause I assume that after seeing your shows, you'd want to practice. I feel like that's common, right? You learn and then you real life application. So how do you suggest parents approach allowing kids to earn money? Having children do chores or giving an allowance is is very much a family decision. Sometimes there are cultural preferences or religious preferences on why people may or may not want to do those. So we actually give several examples. One way is to to set up age-appropriate chores. And we have these really fun boards that you can design so they can actually see, right? Because they're seeing what they're doing and they get, whether it's money or whether it's stars or whether it's, hey, um, you know, if you if you do all your chores, you get to help decide, you know, what we're going to have for dinner on Friday night. There's all kinds of innovative ways that the child can be rewarded. Personally, I think that chores are a great idea just because I think but it helps children learn responsibility for taking care of themselves right. and being part of a community. But again, that's really a parent and family decision. So whether it's chores or allowances or other um, non-financial reward systems that you do to help build community and teaching those um, ability to follow through on things as they get older, um, there's a lot of different ways that you can do that. So I just highly encourage families to take a look at it and say, I like this one, or some families will do a combination of them. We have even been told by children but they begin to, to learn how to ask their parents when their parents are spending, is that mommy, is that a need or a want? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they keep you yeah. honest. They yes. will. They will. And, and, but it's okay to, to have those conversations. Right. And I think we've growing up, at least for me, you can, you can tell me if, if I'm an anomaly, but I think growing up, we were always taught that you don't talk about money. Like that's not a question you ask other people. So we made the decision 
and I think it probably is a good one after this conversation with you to be more open with our kids. So we'll tell them, especially now as, as entrepreneurship is our source of income, some weeks are more lucrative than others and we have savings and it balances out. But sometimes we do have to tell them like, you know, we don't have enough money this week, maybe next, or we're waiting for our payments to come through or, you know, not giving them this like rosy (laughs) outlook on life. It's sometimes money is tight and we have to rope things in. And I don't think we're telling them so much to, to worry them. I definitely don't think they're worried about that. But they'll say to us, you know, do we have the money this week to go here or do that or whatever the case may be? But I, I'm wondering if part of that is just what we were instilled as kids that money's not something we talk about openly. Right. And, and you know, Meg, you are so right. And um, one of the things I can just say, I mean, and then I'm going to kind of put my professional hat back on for a minute, but for the last probably 25 years, um, teaching money, um, whether it's at home or it's in school or, you know, just out in public, um, has really not been a topic that um, has been openly shared. Um, I can tell you that part of that is, you know, from say 30 years ago or 40 years ago, um, there was a different mindset of the parents were like, okay, the parents were the parents and the children were the children. And, and you just didn't bridge that gap, right? The, you know, the, how do you say the parents made all the decisions and the children were to be seen and not heard. That was many, many, many years ago. Um, but there's been this transition of, then where it would happen is both parents started working. And so rather than being able to spend time with their kids, um, they would buy their kids stuff. So they kind of what switched over to almost what I would call this vacation Disneyland type relationship where if, if parents felt bad because they were working, they couldn't actually, and they, they were working and sometimes they weren't very good with their money because they weren't taught. Right. And this isn't a fault thing. This is just a reality of, of if people are not taught, all right, that doesn't make you stupid. That means you're ignorant. You haven't been taught, right? Anything just, and that's with any of us. And so if people don't feel comfortable because they don't feel like they've been taught, then they don't talk about it. And so this cycle has just really been perpetuating itself. But what's happening is there's more and more media, more and more glamour and glitz and more and more what I call eye candy, kids sparkle, they want these things. And so we're setting our kids up to fail. So we need to have those conversations. And part of it is if the parents don't feel comfortable having the conversation, and I've heard this so many times in my own practice is I've had grandparents and parents come in and they'll tell me their biggest single regret is that they wish that they knew better skills with their money so they could teach their kids and grandkids. That's the thing I've heard. That's one of their biggest regrets. And not, you know, and having to work so hard. So the flip side is they have to work so hard because they're not good with their money that they actually are away from their family more. So they, the second regret is that they wish that they would have done things differently so they could spend more time with the people that they care about. And that's why we want to do what we want to do. No, it totally makes sense. You know, I'm thinking I just recently interviewed on a podcast and that was one of my top regrets was the credit cards that I had taken out in college. Yeah. And let me tell you, it's, it's just so scary because it, you know, back when I was in high school, you know, kind of dating me, but we actually had a class that we had to take where we kind of learned like how to balance a checkbook and do those kind of things. But 
but it was even just a little tiny thing. And that's really and I, late. And it really is kind of late um, because what happens is if, you know, now as, as good parents and grandparents, we want to send our children off. It's a global society. We think that we want our kids to go out and go to college. Well, if your kids get to college and they don't know how to pay their tuition and then they've got 27 tables sitting next to them on their way to the admissions office, it says, get this credit card and get that credit card. And, oh, you can eat pizza on your credit card. The next thing you know, at the end of the month, they owe $700 on their credit card and you're going, what do I have for it? Right? And that's how the cycle, that vicious cycle of financial entrapment starts. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry. I don't want to scare people, but, you know, it really is a big deal. And that's what my heart is. I mean, I left government because so, I wanted to teach this and I wanted to do this to help families because you know what? It, that's where the heart of it is. And you know, you're talking about familypreneur, which is partly why we wanted to come and chat with you. You know, 70% of the economic engine of the United States is small entrepreneurial businesses. That's, that's the economic engine. It's not the Nikes of the world or the Microsofts of the world. It is the corner grocery store and the small manufacturing companies and the service providers and the online entrepreneurs who are making up the lion's share of the United States economic well-being. So one of the best things that I think we can do to help them be great is to help them feel like they're getting more comfortable around money and strategic planning and to help them be able to teach their kids. Because one of the things that I firmly believe is that if we can instill great things in our children, we will instill great things in our future. I love it. I really wholeheartedly believe that. We all want to do amazing things for our kids. And if we can help them understand about core character values and about how to be smart with money, they can take those skills and they can go and do whatever the amazing thing is that they've got to do in their life. And it will help them do it. No, and it's so aligned with my my vision and my mission with Familypreneur because money is obviously the, I don't know, like the the major, a major part of business, right? I mean, it it funds the business. It's why you have a business to make more money. It's pretty <laughs> critical. Like our kids are so, they just want to be like us and they want to follow in our example, but sometimes we're not leading the best example for them. And I think money is one of those areas where a lot of us find ourselves less than perfect. And as an adult who didn't set out in life to be an entrepreneur, who started on that traditional path, went to college, got a job, was pursuing a career, and then pivoted, I wasn't prepared for all of the... I mean, even just saying financial is an under, you know, an understatement, but the taxes and the finances and all the paperwork that goes along with that. I mean, that's a lot. And it's just planning. planning. A lot of it's planning and communication. I mean, I would say that planning and communication are probably two of the key areas that can help people really get over the things that maybe weren't so good about money in the past. And and I would share with you, Megan, first of all, thank you for for sharing that. And, you know, your journey, similar to, to my journey, was that, you know, hey, I went to college, I got my degree, I became a CPA, I went to work for the firm, you know, yada, 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 and then decided that, no, you know, that ladder is leaning against the wrong building. 
And my heart is to come and help families, right? The small businesses and the families, right? Because that's, as I said, that's the economic engine. So if you really want to make a difference, you go figure out where the difference can be made. And that's really where it's at. But the thing that I would really like to encourage you and anybody else that's listening and watching this is that just because things may not have been perfect in the past, let me tell you, they're not perfect for anybody in the past. But the thing about the past is it's the past. It doesn't have to be that way today. Right. And it doesn't have to be that way tomorrow. So it doesn't matter what happened yesterday or last year or 10 years ago or when you were six. There's a process again. That's where I talk about the psychology of money and the emotions of money is a lot more complex than the math of money. The math of money is add, subtract, multiply, divide. Right. It's how we feel about it, how we see it, and how we treat it that I think is really the magic and where we can actually make the difference. So, you know, as you said, being an entrepreneur, you know, you're going to want to be able to figure out, you know, what ebbs and flows because it's not going to be that every other Friday paycheck, right, with the taxes taken out and all of those things. So there's certain things that you want to be paying attention to, but they're doable. Um, it's just a matter of learning, just like we want to teach the kids, right? So I don't care if you're four years old or 40 years old. If you want to learn more about money and you want to learn, just take that attitude that I'm going to continue to learn and I'm going to get better and be better tomorrow than you were today. Be better today than you were yesterday. And it's all about the journey. And it's about being comfortable and being accepting of where you are and where you want to go, making those decisions and saying, yep, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to be. And these are the steps I'm going to take to make that happen. And then doing it. It's not any more complicated than that. The biggest thing is I think people get a little nervous because they're afraid they can't do it by themselves or they don't feel like there's somebody they can talk to. So things like what you're doing here with these podcasts for people to listen to and realize that they're not alone doing this or reaching out. Um, and like I said, if they want to come and check out our site and check out what we offer for the kids, um, please, they're welcome to come and, and do it because that's what our heart is. Our heart is to help the, through the puppets, through the children. And you know what? If the parents want to learn right along, then by golly, come on along. It's okay, right? We have people that are 85 years old that love our puppets. It's okay, right? Because our heart is that everybody learns to be smarter with their money. And that's what we want people to do. Because if you're smart, a smart commander with your money, you can go out and do amazing things. And that's what it's all about. And the simplicity of children being able to look at three jars yeah. that they put money in and give, spend, and save. Yeah. And the simplicity of being able to yeah. look through a clear glass jar and see why which jar is growing the most and why or why not. Mm -hmm. And I love the three jars. We do that with my oldest daughter who launched her business last year. She saves a third, she spends a third, and she donates a third. There you go. That's beautiful. So that's one of my favorite money approaches. That's right. And that's, that's what we start with that at the very beginning of week one. Yeah. And then we build from there. So can you tell me where can people find more? You've mentioned the online program and your online community. Where can people find more information about that and or find you guys on social media? Okay. Well, the easiest way um, to find us is we actually have a, a website, which is rubiestroop.com. And that will tell you a whole lot about what we're doing, about the various types of shows that we offer. All of our programs are on Teachable. And if you wanted to go directly to Teachable, then it's rubiestrue.teachable.com. 
and that will get you directly to that site or you can get there from our website. You can also find us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash puppet belly laughs. So those are probably the fastest ways to get a hold of us. If you had any questions and you wanted to email us, you can email us at bellylaps at rubiestroop.com and either Phyllis or I will get back with you. That's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing all of this information. Before we go, though, can I ask you what your number one piece of advice would be for parent entrepreneurs listening today? First of all, congratulations for having the heart to be an entrepreneur while you're being a parent because being a parent is not for sissies, let me tell you. <laughs> I don't care. I don't care if you have one kid or, or multiple kids. Um, that, that is not for sissies. Um, but as an entrepreneur, remember that you're doing that because you have a difference to make in the world. One of the best ways that you can teach your child is by setting a good example yourself. And that's okay to be a learner because you know what? We're all lifelong learners. But I would encourage you to look at what you're doing. And if finances is an area that is maybe not one of your strong points, um, get help. Get 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 in with that. Call us. Um, like I said, we have stuff for adults. We have stuff for kids. Um, we're really here to help you be the best that you can be. So I would encourage you as entrepreneurs and as parents to just be okay to be a learner. Continue to pursue your passion and um, keep track of the pennies because you know what? You cannot be the light of the world if you can't be the light bill. And then as far as teaching your kids, come back to what Dave Ramsey said. Teaching kids about money is never just about money because as parents, we want our kids to go out and be a superhero Mm -hmm. and to make a huge impact in the world. And in my humble opinion, teaching them core character values, giving them a loving environment, and teaching them how to be smart with money are three of the best ways that you can do that. Thank you so much. And thank you for offering such a holistic and family-focused approach to learning. I feel like that's, that's just what I need. It's what our listeners need. And I'm happy to share your message with them all. So thank you both for, for taking time out of your day. We do appreciate thank it. Thank you for, you for sharing this time with us, Meg. Money skills are so important for everybody, and I'm so glad that we have the opportunity to talk to Debbie and Phyllis and learn more about what they offer with their programs. You'll find all of the links mentioned in this episode, including links to their website, their courses, and where you can find them on social media at megbrunson.com slash 42. Last week, we met Marina Darlow, a systems expert and productivity geek. She sees her job as helping impact-driven entrepreneurs get 10 to 20 more productive hours a week, stop leaking money, and preventing stress-fueled breakdowns. She's an engineer by training, and she came to the realization a couple years ago that working for a conglomerate is not as inspiring as she wanted her life to be. The quest for inspiration brought her to found Vision Framework, a company that builds small, purpose-driven businesses from the inside, helping entrepreneurs run their companies with ease by putting effective, easy-to-use, and fun systems in place. Next week, I'm excited to bring Armando Cruz onto the show. He is a connoisseur of experiences, a husband, father, an adventurer, a best-selling author, an ultra-marathoner, a lifestyle, physical therapist, and a legacy coach. He helps growth-minded, married men live happier, more connected, and more fulfilled lives through his immersive coaching programs that guide them to show up powerfully in their marriage 
in their health, in their business, and in creating their purposeful legacy. Armando's unique approach helps strip away the clutter, both internally and externally, that stops men from showing up daily as the greatest and grandest version of who they are for themselves, their family, and their legacy. He's climbed mountains, run over 50 miles in a day in swamps filled with snakes and alligators. He's lived out of his car. He's rollerbladed and surfed in hurricanes. But his biggest adventure has been fatherhood. And whether you're a dad or a mom, doesn't matter. I guarantee you're going to love the value that he brings to the show and learning more about him and his approach to legacy. So make sure that you don't miss that show. Subscribe to the podcast today. And I'm excited to see you again next week. Bye, guys. Have a great week. Do us a favor. Share this podcast with a friend who is also building a business and raising a family. It's like my mom always says, sharing is caring. Sharing is caring.